Welcome to episode 11 of the Life and Times of the Osborne Man. I am your host, Holly Hazard. In this episode, we will get to know Marion a little bit better. She is now a 22-year-old independent woman working as a high school biology teacher in Millville, New Jersey, after graduating from Syracuse University. Marion is writing home about her adventures trying to find accommodations in Millville. Apparently, she's made a new friend, another teacher, and has engaged either a real estate agent or someone associated with the school to show her around to different appropriate properties. Mr. Sickles has identified two rooms in a boarding house, and Marion has agreed to accept these accommodations. She also writes home about a lovely visit to her Aunt Lil and Uncle Vic, who have moved from their large home in Philadelphia to a farm and tried to become farmers, obviously something new to their lives. Finally, Marion remembers her parents' anniversary. I find this touching as I'm not quite sure that as my children move away from home, they will quite remember the anniversary of their parents. Let's hear from Marion and her experiences, and then we can talk. 312 North 2nd Street, Millville, New Jersey, Sunday p.m. Dear mother and all, well, here I am and it's not half bad. Up to the present time, I've had just two attacks from mosquitoes. It's really an awfully interesting experience coming down here. So many things are so different. All the people we have met so far seem very nice, and I'm quite sure I'm going to like them. I'm awfully surprised at the way things grow around here when the soil is so sandy. All the way from Trenton down the line outside of Camden. You somehow feel as though you were right in the center of things down here. Camden is as exciting for me as New York. The electric terminal, steam terminals, and ferry all go together. And so many people going back and forth from Philadelphia, and miles of trucks going over by ferry with fruit and produce for the Philadelphia markets. Lots of fruit out around here, peaches and tomatoes and melons especially. And you should see the box hedges down here. They were all along the way from Trenton to Camden, and here in Millville, everybody has them. You'll find them in the most extraordinary places, and the most elaborate ones. If they don't have a hedge, they have a fence. Everybody's porch, rich and poor, is screened in. One of the queerest things about this place is the way you'll go along the street and see a very elaborate and beautiful home with the worst old ramshackles on both sides. There seems to be no nice residential section, but everything is mixed in with everything else. I love to hear the people talk and feel quite at home, for they say, town and down, and all, like you say I do. And everything is, don't you know? They slide their phrases in together, so I can hardly understand them. We stayed all night at the hotel, and Mr. Sickles had already engaged the rooms for us. The next morning, we went to his office, and he told us all about the places he had in mind, and went right around with us to all of them. On the way round, he pointed out all the residents of this or that one and who they were and what they did and all kinds of details, even where to get good ice cream. Then he told us well about the churches and all about the places along the shore where we might go for Labor Day. Everybody here seems to be expected to go somewhere for Labor Day. 
we may possibly go out to Atlantic City. The place that we are located in is the pleasantest that we have found, and about the only one where there was more than one room. We are with a lady who has recently been made a widow, and she is very nice. About 55 years old, and her name is Mrs. Mayhew. She had the two rooms, each $3 a week, and we had to draw straws to see who would take which room. Mine is much smaller, but more attractive furniture. White iron bed, white dresser, white stand, and white paper with narrow rose border. The other is much larger, and with a large bay window, but unattractive, old-fashioned furniture, and old-fashioned, big-pictured wallpaper, so it was 50-50. She, Mrs. M., is alone now, so there is just Miss Orvis and I, and there is to be another lady who is to tutor one of the school principal's children. Mr. Sickles has been trying to persuade Mrs. M. to take in boarders, and I guess she is going to take us now, and maybe some outside teachers, too. None of the others come until tomorrow night. I'd hate to be in their places. Like Miss Orvis very much. Didn't you like her at the train station that morning better than before? I did. By the way, did you lift that suitcase of mine? I'll never be the same again. I didn't have to carry it terribly far, but then it was quite a ways around the different platforms. Front yards that aren't kept up are just like the beach at Sylvan Beach. Although this is a 15,000 population, everybody seems to know everybody else and their business, just like a small town. May go to Aunt Lil's next weekend, but I'm not sure. Eliz, let me know right away if you're going to get in on the train that gets there at 12.30 Syracuse time. Don't forget my stunt book and moths and butterflies. Hot here today. Lots of love from Home of the New Teachers, Marion. September 25th, Saturday, a.m. Dear Mother, Well, I can just imagine how much of a rush you are in about now getting the kid off. Who did she send that card to, telling when she was going to get there? Why didn't she let me know right away so I could let B. Hall know for I had written to B and told her she was coming Saturday, arriving around 12.30? It was a funny thing to do, but I guess it will be all right. How did the organza dress and all the rest of the trousseau come out? I seem to have a terrible influence on your speedometer when I am around. You sure do up some pace when I'm gone. Never was I so thankful for the end of the week to come. Never put in such a week of work in my life. Don't let anybody tell you it's an easy job teaching school. It's the hardest work imaginable. Expect things will get a little easier as I get used to it, but it's not going to be any cinch. Like it more and more here at Mrs. Mayhew's. She is wonderfully nice and the best cook. It's nearly 10 o'clock, and I have to go over to the school to work this a.m. They furnished the kids all their supplies here, and I have to get the lab notebooks all ready to give out for work next week. He wants me to work out the course according to New York State ideas, and I would like to use one of the biology notebooks that one of the kids has finished there. If Frank or Louise could get a hold of a good one. I don't have any textbooks, though. Will you please get Billings Utica address as soon as you can? I want to send her mine, and she was going to send me a Utica course of study in general science. We'll write tomorrow. Love, Marion. P.S. 
Frank told me he sold biology book. This is just a note to let you know I survived the week. Dear Mother, I sent you a card from Aunt Lil's, but I really don't have any time during the week for letter writing. I suppose that as long as I'm teaching school, I might as well get used to the idea of doing nothing else. And that is really what I have to do. You see, my schedule is so arranged that it just drags out through the day, and instead of having my time off at once, it's sort of scattered through the whole day. I don't begin very early, and then I have a vacant in the middle of a.m., and I don't begin until 2 p.m., and have a vacant period in the middle of p.m. So you see, I really don't have any time to sew or write or anything like that. It's really easier, though, for a beginner to have it this way. I'd die teaching right straight through. It's getting easier, though. Right along, so don't worry about my overworking. Seemed great to get away and go up to Aunt Lil's and Uncle Vic. The country's beautiful up there. And at most, made me homesick for old New York State. It was so much like that. Left here Friday at 527 and it was 11 when Uncle V and I got to their house. We had a great feed and went to bed around 12.30, had breakfast at 9.30 next a.m., finished chicken dinner about 3.30 Saturday, and supper about 7 p.m. Some farmers. I was awakened Saturday a.m. by a queer sound, and awoke to find Canary Bird, the prize pet rooster, on my bed. You'd die to see these two talk and fuss with their chickens. This one and that one reminds them of this friend and that friend. They understand what you say, and every move they make means something to them. Canary Bird sits and roams about the house, and it's like any pet. It's hard to get to. Foreigners are settled all through there, and the house is impossible. And to think of all the work Aunt Lil put into it. The land isn't for truck gardening, never could commute to Philadelphia, as Uncle Vic wants to do in winter, and all in all, there is nothing to it but the beautiful scenery, and that is marvelous. We had chicken dinner birthdays, and I was eating all the time I was there. Aunt Lil had made rolls, buns, coffee cake, little nut cakes, cherry pie, lemon pie, oatmeal bread, cake, and everything imaginable. We made two batches of fudge, and the rest of the time I ate grapes, pears, melons, canned peaches, and cherries, and melons. Did you ever hear of banana melons? Aunt Lil seemed pretty well, but her hair is a lot more gray than the last time I saw her, and she looks quite a little older. Don't see how she's done all that work. You know, Uncle V hasn't been able to do anything. They harvested their oats on a wheelbarrow. (laughs) They're going to get out this winter. Butterfly Guide came this a.m. before your letter. Dad sure likes to stay on the farm, doesn't he? Got my first check last Friday. It seemed swell. The black blouse came too. I have everything, I guess. I want a cot in my room awfully bad, but don't know how much one would cost. If not too much, I may get one. What's happening to Buster and Louise? Heaps of love, Marion. Sunday, p.m., October 17th, 1920. Dear Mother and Dad, 
I wonder if you're having your dinner served up in squash dishes today or just how you are celebrating. Sue and John were married 10-17-1896. If I'd been in a regular place, or at least a little nearer, I would have honored the occasion with a beautiful floral piece, and I certainly would have had I been working in a factory or somewhere earning money instead of teaching school. Guess the letter, though, will have to take its place. I was certainly surprised to get your letter this week saying you were sick, or had been. I began to think it was funny I didn't hear from you. Are you feeling all right now? And what was the matter? Did that last week's letter get sent on to Elizabeth? Finally? She was having 40 cat fits this week because I hadn't written, and I didn't get a chance this week until yesterday. I really meant to write oftener, but I simply don't have time. What do you suppose has happened to me now? One of the other new teachers and I have got picked on the first thing to make one of the speeches on the program for the first faculty meeting. I think it's the dirtiest trick. Imagine getting up and giving a speech in front of all those old-time teachers when you haven't ever been to a faculty meeting. None of us have any use for the principal, and you should see his short, fat, gay, bold wife. Marion continues in her letters talking about her experiences as a first-year teacher, her friendship with Miss Yulstein, who's also a teacher, traveling to Philadelphia to shop, her hopes that she might get to go to the convention in Washington with her father for the Osborne Company, and also she's becoming a little frustrated with her landlord as she makes demands on her tenants as to what they can and cannot put in their own rooms. If you'd like to hear more about Marion's experiences as a first-year teacher in her own words, please go to theosbornman.com and look up the blogs for around October of 1920. There are several additional letters that explain both Marion's work at the school and then also what she's doing after hours traveling to shop in Philadelphia and going to visit her aunt and uncle. If you're enjoying this podcast, could you please help us by rating the podcast and leaving a review? This week, the voice of Marion was narrated by Cricket Clayton. This podcast is produced by Holly Hazard. Music is provided by Escalante Music from Pond 5. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.